Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To go to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for this all to blow over? Yeah, yeah, w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. Today we were talking about double the Sasha Baron Cohen and double the idiocy of America, I guess. Oh, so now you want to use my slogan. Last oh, of course. Yeah, I do. Last, last time you didn't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll swip, switch back and forth every time I decide I want to or not. Alrighty. Hey, man. So, yeah, we're talking about... Uh talking about a classic and we're talking about a, a long-awaited sequel to a classic we're talking about Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat character yes which the first one was purely Borat the second one right. is I'd say about like 30 maybe 40 percent Borat understandable when we get into it I mean obviously he's he's recognizable as that character yeah, it it I think all the Borat scenes were shot pretty much with people more or less knowing it was him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that too. Um which one you want to start off? You want to start off with the the goat, the original? Let we got to start off with the original, the classic that everybody quoted up until this one still. <laughs> yeah, I got to say man, rewatching this one, um I mean, I loved this when it first came out. I just thought it was so hilarious and off the wall. Um, rewatching it today, there's even like some nuances of like, um, like, uh, American or should I say American criticism that I didn't catch on when I was younger. Like, um, I mean, I'm just, uh, well, we, we can just pretty much like, let's, you know, describe it first and then we'll get into the little nuances. But, um, basically, uh, Borat, uh, Sagadij, is that how you say his name? I think so. I do not recall 100% how his last name is pronounced in the movie. God, I, don't know. I know that they he, made it so it would be nearly impossible to pronounce correctly. <laughs> uh, he's a he's a fictitious journalist from Pakistan, uh, created and, and played by Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, well-known satirist of characters like Borat, uh, Ali G, Bruno, Ali G, fashionista Bruno, you know, this is um one of his um the, the, this is the character that got everybody in America like interested in uh in Ali G and then got them interested in Bruno when Bruno came out like a year or two later, or I think it was a few years later. Um, but, but basically, this is everything that this is this is kind of how Sasha Baron Cohen's like um like career kind of uh set it, uh set off in Hollywood, and I think this got him a Golden Globe. So it's a mockumentary film where uh. Sasha Baron Cohen plays Borat, a journalist who travels to the United States uh, just to make a documentary, trying to see what life is like in America. But of course, you know he's um he's a lot of things. He's a uh, <laughs> he's racy. He's ignorant. Uh, he doesn't know any better. Well, pretty much what ignorant is, and he's a hilarious guy. Not on obviously not on purpose, but really because like his whole 
creation is hilarious and how he interacts with real life people. Yeah, the character of Borat is literally a caricature of what Americans think people from the Middle East are like. It's, there you go. It's 100% that. He takes that character, it takes all the like tropes and stereotypes that everybody has about Middle Eastern people, and he packs them into one person and just unleashes it onto the world. <laughs> right. And the best parts are basically the way that people react to this person, thinking he's an actual real person, talking to him and kind of, you know, agreeing with him or disagreeing with him in the most funny ways. And the best part about the first movie is it's all real. Uh, it, there's a few scripted scenes that kind of tie like a loose plot together to go from New York to California. Mm-hmm. But... Outside of that, every interview, every instance where Sasha Baron Cohen is with somebody other than Azamat, uh, it is unscripted and it just real people talking to Borat. Well, you know what? Um, it wasn't until a few years later that I recognized. You know who Lu- who Lunell is? Uh, no. Okay, well, you know the prostitute that Borat, you know, essentially oh, falls in yeah. love with. Yeah, yeah, she's a comedian in real life. Like, yeah. I didn't know until after the film that she was, you know, one of the scripted characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't know even at the end when she's back at Kazakhstan with as Borat's new wife? <laughs> I figured at that point it would be like, all right, hey, look, we played a prank on you. You want to, like, fit in with the storyline? She'd be like, all right, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, she was <laughs> one of the few people that was in on the joke uh, during the filming because she played a prostitute to that Borat invites to a uh what was it a dinner right yeah <laughs> where yeah so I, the best parts about this movie are how everything about it still stands up today uh the way that people treated him the way that people reacted to what he was saying and it, some of the best scenes are still like the driving instructor who is just trying to politely oh, yeah. just be you know somebody to help do him his job yeah he so was there to like, do his don't job don't hit the children you must not hit the children yeah <laughs> he's like you be my boyfriend well no i'm not gonna well yeah okay all yeah, right yeah. yeah i'll i'll be your boyfriend yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, like i love how he's going oh yeah he just doesn't understand what he's saying he's he's you know english translation everything is off okay you know what yes i'll agree with you you know, and he's one of the more easygoing guys in the entire thing. Uh, then you have the frat boys in the trailer, which are absolutely I think, hilarious. I think that was scripted, man. I don't think that, that part was wasn't scripted because they were actually suing the movie after it came out for defamation of character. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. I thought. Oh, all right. Yeah, those were totally like, real. Ain't no way this happened. Like, like, just gonna let a camera crew on your, on your, on your bus with this guy, really? Uh, think about it from their perspective. They're driving across the country, and they have a film crew coming in and willing to like film them, and they're already drunk while this is happening. Yeah, of course they're gonna sign that waiver and be like, "I get to be on TV." Yeah, stranger things have happened. Yeah, that that's you're mostly right, how right. they get these people. Is they're going, oh, this is gonna be on TV. I want to be on TV. Yeah, I'll sign your waiver. It's the same thing that like uh, Impractical Jokers and like Punked and all those other kind of like hidden camera shows do it. 
Yeah, but they know those guys, though. I feel like people know Impractical Jokers. A lot of them do, and a lot of them still don't, which is kind of hilarious. Oh, okay. Like, they still can find people that don't know them, and usually, like, out of a day of filming, they can get enough for an episode from people that didn't recognize them. Because you got to remember, not everybody is watching TV and watching those kind of shows. I can hear you on that. I I feel like the moment he hits, though, that's when you know it's real. Like, the moment he gets on the subway and, you know, he's, like, trying to kiss folks and they're like, can you get away from me? And the other guy's like, hey, hey, back the fuck up, man. Back up. You know, like, like, hey, yo, yeah, yeah, like, um, like, you don't know me. And, you know, like he like New York can get aggressive with certain characters. And, you know, you, you could tell this guy really is putting his life on the line with some things. But I wanted to point out again, this is a point. This is a joke I didn't really laugh at when I was younger because I was like, eh, whatever. But the, just the, the whole incredulity, incredulity of it is hilarious today uh, when the guy gives him the telegram saying, um, it says here that uh, your wife has passed. Oh, yeah. he looks. He looks at the guy like, "Are you telling me my wife's dead?" And the guy just treats it so customary, like, uh, "Yeah, it's it's it's. It, I'm just reading here that your wife has died." Okay, high five. <laughs> Very nice, <laughs> high five. Because I'm, I'm wondering. I'm like, dude, is this is this how you treat people on a regular day to day when their wives have died and it's received by telegram? You just go like, um. Yeah, that's what I'm reading here. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you don't, in that kind of situation, he still has to, like, put on that veil of, like, uh, professionality and be like, right. yeah, that, that appears to be what it says here, you know? And you know that his reaction is going, oh, no, I just told this man that his wife died. This is going to end terribly. He's like, high five. He's like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I just thought, because, like, I, Life can be stranger than fiction, so I just think human nature is an interesting thing. Interest, interesting thing to watch and document. But like, uh, there's so many nuances to this that that I mm. love. You know, like like I said, watching it today, I have I'm watching it with different eyes today. Like even when uh, he was down south, and right before he played the Kazakhstan uh, anthem, and everybody kind of you know lost their shit. Um, the guy, you know, uh, where he where he said where he tried to kiss him, like I ain't gonna kiss you. You know, those are the guys that walk around here with the with the fairies and all that. He says, oh, yes, in my nation, we we hang those people. Hey, they should start doing that here, too. I'm like, do you realize you're on camera saying this? Yeah. Like, do you realize this guy just made you look like a fool? But they also think that this isn't going to be shown in America. So they're not too right. worried about it. Also, the kind of, like, people that their clientele is aren't going to think any differently than that opinion. Like, I love when he's going out there right before he starts singing the national anthem and he's going, you know, I love your war on terror. Let George Bush drink the blood of every terrorist. And then everybody's clapping their hands and men, women and children. I think he said that at one point. Yeah. (laughs) Then they're all clapping their hands like, yeah. Yeah. And it's until he starts singing the Kazakhstan national anthem that they're like, boo. Uh, up until then, they're agreeing with every completely outrageous thing that he's saying. And to an, any normal person outside of that, uh, you know, what was it, a rodeo? And uh-huh. it, it just seems absolutely insane that people would be agreeing with that. But that's why he was there. He was there to show, like, how outrageous some of, you know, the thoughts of people are. 
on you know, both sides. I was gonna say I watched the deleted scene on the original DVD where there was a news report from that actual like rodeo, and the one guy that made the comment about you know like gays and everything, he was like, man, he was talking to the reporter like, man, I was talking to this guy and I was like, man, what are you doing? These people will skin you. You can't be coming out here saying all that about your nation and how y'all the best nation and all, all that. And I'm like, wow, like even in real life, this guy is still making a fool out of himself. He like, doesn't you know, get the irony of what he's right. saying. <laughs> like these people will skin you. I'm like, that's something you want to proclaim to the rest of the nation on yeah. TV. You're basically proving his point. Yeah, I think that's the best part is people are angry that they were made fools of but they don't see the irony of what they're saying at the same time. They're basically just angry that people are laughing at them, but they don't understand why people are laughing at them, <laughs> which makes it so much better. Then he goes down to the hood. I think he was in Atlanta. Was he in Atlanta? Oh, I can't remember where that. Yeah. I, I want to say was, yes. Yeah. I think he was in Atlanta and then, you know, he runs up to, you know, um, um, Young, the young black kids, you know, uh, playing dominoes, not dominoes, they were playing dice mm-hmm. and they were showing him how to dress. And uh, then he went to the hotel like, hey, uh, me and a couple of my uh, pimps, you know, we just some pimps, uh, not some hoes. You feel me? We're trying to check out a hotel room. The yeah. guy immediately just went over to the security like, OK, I don't know what this guy's issue is. <laughs> I, I, I need to call someone because I think this guy does not belong here. Yeah, uh, well, not only that, but his, like, pants were down to his knees while he's right. saying this. So, <laughs> yeah, it, that entire conversation was good. Because um, what was it he first <laughs> said when he walked up to them? It was like, uh, you look like uh, Michael Jackson beat it. And they immediately just changed their entire, <laughs> like, attitude toward him with that. Right. They they just, they said, man, there's something off with this guy. Like, like he... They started laughing at him because, like, that's that, what can you do? You can either laugh or stare in shock. Mm-hmm. Like, like the moment he's like earlier, like jerking off in front of the Victoria's Secret uh, uh, mannequin. And oh, like at the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, then he's taking a dump outside Trump Tower, which comes back in the sequel as a joke. Yeah, but um, you know, you could either you could either laugh at this guy or stare at him in shock. Yeah, I, I think the best part is like a lot of the people didn't come off as bad. Like the group of uh, black teenagers that were he was with didn't come off as bad people. The they driving did. instructor they, they were talking to him, you know, yeah. they were like, "Yeah, he ain't from here, but we'll, you know, let's let's talk to him, you know." Yeah, let's have some fun with this guy that's here. You know, we're not mocking him. We're actually kind of just talking with him and kind of, you know, showing him our thing and. I'm trying to remember. There was a couple scenes in it, the movie. Those are just two of them where people are just being real people. And you kind of look back and go, why is this, you know, why are these people upset about being in this movie? Um, I'm trying to, I think one of the other one was the person that was teaching him the jokes. Like, he was a good person. It wasn't like we were laughing at him. We were laughing at the absurdity of Ah! Borat. (laughs) Uh, He was another person, I believe, that sued the uh, the studio or tried to at least i don't think any of the uh lawsuits were actually successful but let a lot of people tried <laughs> what would he sue him for i mean he didn't make him look bad you know uh, like- defamation of character or uh lying to them about the reason for the movie which is all actually in the contract that they signed <laughs> so 
It just means that they didn't read the contract. Uh, well, that's a little nuts to me. Yeah. Um. I mean, you wanna uh, you wanna go down to the whole Pamela Anderson narrative. So I think that's probably one of the weakest points of Borat to me is that loose plot that kind of tries to connect all these things because it's Borat trying to get from New York to California to meet his new love, Pamela Anderson. And uh, throughout the course of the event, that's when all these interviews and everything are happening because Azamat is scheduling things for Borat to do to bring back as the documentary for uh, Kazakhstan. And eventually they get to California and oh before they get to california azamat finds out his real intentions and leaves and takes the ice cream truck and the bear uh which leads to one of the best like kind of side jokes uh when they reunite and the bear's head is in the fridge in azamat's hotel <laughs> after he tells borat that the bear ran away oh i never noticed that so he killed the bear he ate it or something yeah so i never noticed that yeah and when they reunite uh when he's who is he uh trying to he's dressed up as charlie chaplin that's right because borat's like borat i did not want to argue with this uh man dressed as hitler in the middle of the street right right uh but yes Dude, when they get back to his hotel uh when he opens the fridge you can see the bear's head in the fridge when he's getting like a beer for borat the only thing that was good uh there's there's two scenes that were great with the pamela anderson side plot one was uh when he was meeting with the feminist and uh, he was pretty much just ignoring everything they were saying about yes. you know equality, and just said, "Hold on, pussy guy, just tell me where this Pamela woman is." And then they said, yes. "You know what? We're not." They didn't even like. They weren't even having it though. They were like, "You know what? We're not. We're not doing this." Yeah, this, they... this is some kind of gag. <laughs> I think and... that's the best is when people realize that this has to be a joke, and they're just like, "I'm done. I'm I'm walking off of this." Right, and then the infamous hotel fight scene. Dude. <laughs> oh, with them running through what was it? A presentation for a council like city council or something? I don't know, man. But even everything leading up to that, dude, when they're like fighting in the bed, like butt naked, like going through different positions, like <laughs> I remember uh my mom had my mom had initially bought this. She had never saw it in theater so you just heard that it's a good a good funny movie mm-hmm. and i remember i was watching this scene and she was next to me and it was both awkward and funny at the same time because she couldn't help but laugh she could either be like Ugh, roll her eyes and, and, and fast forward but she just couldn't help but laugh especially when they went to the crowded elevator yeah <laughs> <laughs> and my man's to the left is not even looking at him he's just totally ignoring them oh yeah <laughs> Well, the best part is they're both standing there, and Borat's still holding the giant rubber fist. <laughs> oh, and right, right, right. It, I, I loved when the people got off the elevator, they just started laughing as the doors closed, and yeah, it, the whole scene is absolutely brilliant. I love it. Uh, one of the scenes that, you know, you can watch a thousand times and still find absolutely hilarious. Especially when they're getting pulled out of the hotel and everything like that, like the conference you know what? With, with all of Borat and his antics, I gotta say the deadpan looks are, are like the best 
there were best responses because I remember he met with the um, Republican candidate. This guy was pretty much a, a normal guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was telling him like, "Hey, I went to this 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 parade with these these you know lovely young men, you know, and I, I met a lot of dudes and uh, I took two of these dudes back to my hotel room. You know, we wrestled." You know, and uh, one guy said he wanted to give me a shower, and we went in the bathroom, and he gave me a shower. And the guy said, "Oh, um, I think you uh, met uh, who, who, um, you know, we call um, homosexuals." He said, "What? I, uh, I think you had a homosexual experience." <laughs> and he's so deadpan yeah. about it, like, "Yeah, I think you had a homosexual." Oh, experience. what was the other thing? You're trying to tell me, man, who wants to shove rubber fist up my anus was homosexual? <laughs> and yeah his delivery of a lot of those lines is what makes this movie so special and makes it so people don't really catch that it's a joke right away because he's so serious and deadpan with his delivery of all these lines like he's actually inquisitive about this kind of stuff yeah um the final Pamela Anderson uh, try to kidnap scene is, it's, I don't know, man. It's not really as funny to me. Like, knowing that she's in on it, I kind of think it's just an, an okay scene. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny. But back when I first watched the film and didn't know she was in on it, I, I laughed my ass off. I think oh, it's yeah. better if you don't know. Yeah, that's one of those scenes that works a lot better. Uh, fun fact about that scene, they had to film it twice. Because the first time they filmed it, nobody reacted to him putting her in a bag and running off with her. Like, nobody tried to stop him or anything. So well, I would figure that the security's in on it, right? Oh, like, yeah. The security was in on it, but the people in line and everything were not. So oh, he was trying to get care. their reaction to some guy just coming, putting a bag over Pamela Anderson's head and then trying to run off with her. And the first time they filmed it, nobody did anything. Uh, luckily, the second time they filmed it, as you can see in the movie, people in line actually, you know, came up and they were like, stop. hey, stop. And, you know, everything like that. So, but yeah, I, I found that hilarious that the first time they filmed that, like, Sasha Baron Cohen was just probably standing in the parking lot going, what did, what just happened? This wasn't how we planned this. What is going on? <laughs> I, I, dude, I gotta talk about a moment in the second one where I think I think he broke character. You've seen it three times, so you might know the scene I'm talking about. But um, here, yeah, well, I mean, let's pretty... let's wrap up Borat and we can jump into Borat Two, or not Borat no, Two, no, no, Borat no. subsequent film. No, 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 no. The reason I mention that is because you like you just said like he probably looked around and said, "Why aren't people chasing me?" Why? Well, because I, I, I was alluding to like a moment where he might have. But anyway, we'll get to oh, it. Yeah. Um, with this film, I mean, overall, still a classic. Uh, still funny. Oh, definitely. I say, like, I say, like, there wouldn't be a bad grandpa without this film. You know, I don't know if you remember that, where Johnny Knoxville uh, plays the uh, the grandfather. and he um, With the, the grandson, and they go yeah. through, yeah. yeah. I don't feel like that film would have existed without this uh, Um so overall, I think it still holds up. I give it a, I give it a four. Oh yeah, this one is definitely, and the worst part is, it's fourteen years later. This film still holds up, and the only part of it that kind of starts to feel dry is because people have literally been quoting it for the last fourteen years. You know, like 
I still knew all the jokes beat for beat from this movie, even though I haven't seen it since probably like 2010, because everybody still makes those jokes. And ironically or not, people always still do the my wife or, uh, you know, very nice constantly. I don't I don't hear that as much today, but I, I, I remember the big boom when this film first dropped and every everybody in school just could not stop making those jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hear it as much today, maybe because the resurgence with the new sequel. But I I do. I can see how, how this is still, um, you know, um, very influential. Yeah, it, it was one of the most influential movies I can remember from like the 2000 to 2010 in terms of like quotability and everybody knowing it and everything like that. It's just, it was a movement for this movie. It was like a breakout hit that nobody saw coming. So it it definitely deserves the praise that it got back then. It still holds up today. Like I said, the only parts that are kind of stale now rewatching it are because I know those moments beat for beat just because of how popular this movie was when it came out. Hmm. So it, it, in my eyes, it's it's a five out of five movie to me. All right. So with that, let, let's jump into Borat subsequent movie film, uh, not Borat 2. That would be funny if that was part of the title. Borat Subsequent Movie Film. Parentheses. Not Borat 2. I, not! <laughs> I would have loved that. No, the the actual like full uh, movie title changed like three times while they were marketing it. And when you see the movie, you understand why. Because the plot of the movie changed three times throughout the movie. Right. So yeah, I think that I think that have made I think that may be what uh filmmakers call a happy accident, you know, yeah. due to how everything changed in 2020. Right, because I don't know if you caught like the dates or anything on any of the events that he was going to, or even when he was like sending the faxes and stuff like that, the dates on the faxes. But he started filming this back in like December of last year. So a lot of this was planned out before the pandemic occurred. And then all of a sudden he just got a new wind of material from the pandemic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can, uh, I can, I can, um, I, you know, throughout it all, I like how this film was still able to pull a narrative, like through like the, you know, unpredictability of this year, mm-hmm. you know, cause I feel like a lot of films that are like just, generally scripted and not a mockumentary like this film kind of suffered because of COVID. You know, things did stop. Things had to stop. But Shasha Baron Cohen, I mean, you got to give it to him. He stayed true to his material and said, look, I got to finish this. You know, it's for a greater cause, uh, which we'll get to in the end. So I, I got to finish this movie. Right. And it, I got to say, I've watched this movie three times before it even released because I got a chance to see it, uh, a preview of it through a, mm-hmm. you know, press movie screening. And I, I, I first time I watched this movie, I fell in love with it instantly. Uh, second time I watched it, I caught a couple other like in jokes I missed the first time because I was laughing so hard the first time I watched it. 
And the third time, it was basically me just picking apart the little details to see, like, what the order of sequences were for all the scenes that were filmed to see, like, how Mm. much of it was, like, planned, how much of it came after the fact and everything like that. So. I got to be honest, man. I didn't study it that much. I only watched it once. Um, But overall, uh, I'll, I'll lead this one. So this one is about how many years has it been since the first movie? Fourteen been about 14 years uh borat is now in prison uh uh kakistan uh he's been he's been outed he's been fired as a journalist they felt like the first film embarrassed them he's an embarrassment to his uh to his nation so he's what is he doing uh digging rocks uh he's just mining (laughs) he's in the chain gang he's mining in the chain gang and um so after after a long hiatus they say you know what we're gonna give you another mission we are gonna have you uh, deliver a monkey to—is uh, it Pence or Trump? Uh, it's Pence. Uh, they decided yeah, it couldn't be Trump because a... he accidentally made a bathroom in front of his house. <laughs> oh right, right. I told you they—they they got back to the joke in the first one. Um, so you're gonna deliver this monkey to Pence, who is a, a monkey that used to be a pornographic actor or something. Yeah, the greatest pornographic so... director, producer, and actor in all of Kazakhstan. <laughs> Johnny the so monkey. He's, so he's uh, tasked with doing that. Uh, so he returns home, uh, finds out that his douchebag neighbor, which I'm so glad they kept him. Yes. Uh, is now like the stepfather or the um, the, the, the stepfather to his sons. Um, he also goes in the back to realize he has a daughter who's been living in the shed because I, I guess, you know, young women aren't treated. Young women are not treated good there. Women aren't treated good there. Um, so he, he meets her and she's like, oh, please send me to America. I want to be like Melania, Melania Trump, who also has like a, a demented Thumbelina like cartoon in Kazakhstan, which was, it's a beauty and the beast kind of cartoon. It's, it's a parody of beauty and the beast with Trump and Melania. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's what that was. That was some good animation though. Oh, it was beautiful anime and absolutely hilarious. I, I want to see a full-blown animation in that kind of, like, tone for that entire movie. Right. So, basically, Melania is like Cinderella to his to his daughter, uh, Tutar. And basically, he tells her, look, you can't come with me. It's it's banned in the manual for why we treat women bad in Kazakhstan. Uh, read your manual. I'm leaving. So, uh, he, so <laughs> here's the one bit I love. I'm going off to America. And then everybody starts throwing things at him. Oh, like, yeah. Get out of here. You know, you suck. <laughs> so when he said it in the first film, they loved it. In this film, they're like, get out. Yeah, uh, it's a nice foil to the first film where everybody hates him in this one in uh, Kazakhstan. And it's great. So he uh, he goes by cargo ship and arrives in, um, in Texas, I think. And uh, yep. so basically... He he receives the package. Uh, well, first off, even before then, people are recognizing him, walking up to him, you know, saying, Borat, Borat, uh, I, I, someone else, you, you got me confused. Borat. So basically, he has that problem. So now he's like, so now we got a Sasha Baron Cohenception here where he's doing disguises within disguises, which yeah. uh, leads to some um, funny moments. But anyway, Package package arrives. He thinks it's the monkey. It's his daughter who he discovers. Well, later in the film that, you know, she ate him. Uh, She ate the monkey. So 
she kind of she's there with him now and now he has to deal with her and that's basically how this movie takes off yeah was that and you the entire movie basically from there is uh changing the plot of trying to get uh a Johnny the monkey to Pence to getting his daughter to Pence and getting her prepared to be the next Melania for Pence, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, up until about halfway through the movie where it changes from Pence to uh, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll, t- we'll talk about that, that scene later, but um, I want to say that I, I like the flow of this film, given, you know, like I said, the unpre- unpredictable circumstances of which it was filmed. I really love the chemistry between uh, Shasha Baron Cohen and uh, Maria Bakalova, who plays his daughter. Like, they had yes. great chemistry. Uh, she was probably uh, one of the better parts of the movie that actually surprised me. Uh, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen is great in this movie. He brings everything that you expect, but she ends up managing to make the absurdity of Borat, you know, cranked up to 11 easily. And she's perfect for improv. Yeah. I would say she, she even brings more depth to his character. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. he, we see another side of Borat here, you know, given like, of course he is a character, but we do see another uh, side of him uh, actually learning, you know, um, having, having, Things that he has learned over the years being challenged and, and um, given him in new ways. Like, of course, you know, women can do anything. He's absolutely, he's obviously learned that for the first time for real. And um, the fact that uh, he, he doesn't have to treat his daughter different from his sons. Basically, it just added more depth to his character that I felt that was um, it did surprise me. Yeah, you get to see him become more progressive as a character. Uh, instead of conservative, which is his entire thing is he's a very conservative Middle Eastern person. And that's where a lot of the jokes in the first movie come from. A lot of the jokes in this movie come from him starting to become more progressive while still being, you know, conservative or being around conservative people. Right. And this one definitely has more of a flow with the story. Like all the scripted scenes kind of tie the interviews and all the unscripted scenes together a lot better in this one. And cause you have the scenes where, uh, for an example, when he has to get the cake, it's an unscripted scene where he tells them, you know, I, on the cake, I wanted to say the Jews will not overthrow us. Uh, and, and he just writes it with no problem. Yeah. Like, okay, all and, right. And can you put some smiley faces on there? Because I want it to be a, a good-natured kick. <laughs> and she does it. Smiley faces all around the words, the Jews will not overthrow us. I think that's what it says. It's something akin to that. And from there, uh, Tutar gets a cake with a little baby figurine on it. And... They go to behind the warehouse near a dumpster where she eats in, accidentally swallows the baby figuring, and that's what brings them to the women's health yep. clinic. Right. That is seen in the trailer and everything as well. So and, I, I gave her the baby. I gave it to her behind a dumpster. I don't I don't need details. I don't need details. Right. <laughs> the doctor says I you don't need to give me details. Yeah. I, I love that it, the baby is alive. It has a heartbeat. I I don't think so. <laughs> That whole entire exchange is, I, I love it. 
because you as the audience you know that borat is right because he's talking about a figurine but he never says it's a figurine of a baby and obviously the health clinic professional is thinking it's an actual baby right right it's just that little bit of nuance with it is absolutely fantastic and it Especially when Borat's like, no, no, it, uh, this one, it's definitely not alive. <laughs> it's in her stomach, and it will hurt when it comes out of her anus. <laughs> uh, right. Um, the uh, debutante ball. I never understood these things, dude. So, so, so what is this? Is this like just men with their um, daughters at a, at, a, at a teenage age bringing them as, as their dates? Like, I never understood these things. Uh, my understanding is it's basically them showing off their daughters to possible suitors. Oh, so that's what it was when that daughter was like, this is fucking disgusting. Dad. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, what are they doing there? Well, it, <laughs> what was the one thing? It w- he was asking, like, uh, how much you think I could get for my daughter? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, it, how much do you think she's worth? Okay, I'll whisper to you. <laughs> yeah. And that's the absurdity that Borat brings out in people is these are real people, they're real thoughts and at their most vulnerable. And it it's not like they're acting or playing along with a joke. This is how they are. It's just they don't realize that this is something that pl- more people are going to be seeing and you know, they're going to be in the spotlight for it. Um but what was I going to talk about? Uh, the scene where gonna... people were obviously in on it, or I mean, well, yeah, th- those are those are like a couple scenes. Obviously, the babysitter was in on it. Actually, I don't think she was. It's hard for me to believe she wasn't like 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 they didn't give her like an improv script like they gave Lou Nell when she played the prostitute in the first one. Like I I I think she was in on it. I I don't think she was because. After watching it a couple times, the way she's reacting to a lot of the things and everything like that, and even like the camera's positioning and everything like that is basically like they uh, had one cameraman in the house, and then they had a hidden camera kind of in the car, just a GoPro sitting on the dashboard, and that was it. And they just kind of told her it's for you know a documentary movie, whatever they told her, and then that was it. Because her reactions to it aren't like improv kind of style reactions they're very yeah i don't know i don't Uh, think she was in on it it's hard for me to believe she wasn't in on it it's hard it's hard man but you could be right you could be right um but i wanted to talk about when um sasha baron cohen dressed up as trump uh to deliver uh, his daughter to mike pence oh yeah now this this is a funny scene and this is why I say that Sasha may have broke character for a minute. Um, you've seen it three times. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a moment where he's talking to Pence, like, hey, here's my daughter. And then you hear you hear him say, hey, man, you just put, punched me. Like, don't punch me. That wasn't Borat. That was Sasha. Yeah, there's it, a small break of character there. But that entire scene was uh, unscripted and everything. And it was actually in the news back in February as well as a uh, Trump protester shows up to Mike Pence's speech (laughs) dressed as Trump. So nobody knew it was Sasha Baron Cohen up until the movie came out 
I'm sure that some of the security and everything knew after the fact and everything, but they must have had to sign some kind of NDA, which I have no idea how they managed to pull that off, where none of those security people said it was Sasha. Or they were so embarrassed that they didn't want to say, you know, that Sasha Baron Cohen managed to infiltrate a uh, Mike Pence speech dressed as Trump. Right. Because more, you know, uh, surprisingly, we didn't hear about him walking around as like a KKK kind of uh, Klansman outfit before he switched to the Trump outfit. Because that's how he was walking into the uh, conference center and everything, which is hilarious that nobody yeah. reacted to that. I mean, people reacted to it. They they stared at him in, in shock and then kind of went about their way. Right. Yeah, nobody, none of the security or anything, like, tried to stop him. That's what I found surprising. Because he made it from there to the bathroom where he actually changed and everything. Right. <laughs> um... You think my man was in on it? The uh, the co- the copy fax machine, dude. Um, I I don't think he was in on it. Uh, but the interesting thing is the faxes all have different dates on them, which means that he did every single time that they went back to it was a different date. Uh, it was February eighth, February eighteenth, which does fall after the Pence conference. Uh, there was the other one that was March sometime. And then after COVID, sometime in like April, there was another one as well. I can't remember the exact dates, but every time he did a new filming there, the dates on the papers were different. Oh, yeah. Um, there's two scenes I didn't really much care for. I didn't really make. I didn't really much care for the, you know, the the plastic surgery sequence and you know the whole going to the Republican. The, where uh, Tutar goes to a Republican women conference and be like, hey, we can all touch our vaginas. <laughs> if yeah. you do this, and you're doing a secular motion, there's an explosion. I was like, I was like, eh, I could take or leave these scenes. Oh, see, I, I thought it was hilarious, especially her delivery of it. And everybody's right. like, you know, yeah, clap, clap, clap. Good for you. And then she starts getting into that and everybody's like slowly pulling back. Right, right. Uh, one lady's like, uh, "Thank you for telling us that, sweetie. You can you can step down now." Yeah, <laughs> like I like that scene because of how real it is with them going, "Yeah, female empowerment, good for you." And then they're like, "Wait a minute, this isn't. Hold on, <laughs> what'd she say?" <laughs> right. Uh, the plastic surgery bit, I think, was uh, it, the funnier part of that was when he went, "Well, what about my daughter now? Would you have sexy time with the daughter now?" And his response was, well, if your father wasn't here. <laughs> and it's right. like, oh, you that's so awkward. Stuff, and it's like, you, you, you don't, like, you're just saying this stuff and you know you're being recorded. That's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Like, like, like come on, man. You know better than to say something like that. But you're like, well, uh, sure, if your father wasn't here. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think he was just trying to make a sale. Pretty much. And uh, if the receptionist... Uh, for that cl- the uh, plastic surgery you know clinic wasn't in mm-hmm. on it I feel so bad for her because she had to count out what was it like two thousand dollars in ones and tens I don't think she was in on it and I just found that hilarious when he drops the duffel bag and just she pulls out a stack of ones 
And none of it's Brian, rubber Brian, banded or anything. It probably made her job interesting that day. Probably, yeah. But uh, yeah, if she wasn't in on it, I actually feel bad for her because she literally had to sit there. One, two, three, four, five. Right. Oh, thank God, there's some tens in here. 10, 20, 30, 40. <laughs> right. Uh, for him to be off by $73. <laughs> What'd you feel about the, uh, I, I get the joke is, you know, Borat is anti-Semitic. Like, I get the joke, but I kind of felt like the synagogue, I feel like that costume would have been too, went a bit too far. I feel like that was a little cruel. Uh, that one, that's actually one of the few scenes where the people were in on it. And he admitted because he had great respect because he's Jewish himself. So, of course, yeah, he has yeah, great yeah, respect yeah. for like a Holocaust survivor. So that is one of the scenes where like she knew that it was being done for parody and to show the absurdity of like this perception and everything. Uh, do I think it went too far? A little bit with his costume. Uh, did I die of laughter the moment he came on screen? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it was so great when he comes in. Very nice weather we are controlling lately. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, in the moment, I forgot that he is Jewish. And I, as soon as he walked in, I was like, oh, no, no, Sasha, don't walk in like that. Yeah. But now that you tell me they're in on it, I kind of feel a little better about it. Yeah, he is, uh, he is Jewish. And that's where a lot of the jokes come from for uh, that he makes in the first movie like throw the jew down the well uh right 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 like the running of the jew stuff like that and so yeah going into the movie i already knew that this was one of the scenes because she actually passed away uh after filming that scene and Uh. her family was trying to sue borat for uh using her in the movie when she was in on the joke and everything like that, like Sasha Baron Cohen even admitted like this was one of the scenes where I broke character and she knew she was being filmed and this was partially scripted. Yeah. You know. Was she, was she died from COVID? Uh, not COVID. I, she was old. Uh, I don't think it was COVID that took her. I think it was just old age and you know, her time. Cause she was Man. a survivor of the Holocaust. So she right, was right. Oh yeah, I do remember that. She was a little girl, and she yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's another thing that made me go, hey, man. He might have went too far. He's talking to an actual survivor, but yeah. the fact that he let her know, I guess, is a little better. Yeah, she agreed to it and everything like that. Like he wanted to do a scene like this, and he found somebody that was willing to do it and kind of show, like that. Uh, this is how it was for her as a Holocaust survivor, which I love that during that scene. Uh, Borat is a Holocaust denier. <laughs> right. Uh, because of the fake news of the Holocaust isn't real from Facebook. And then he becomes then he becomes happy when she tells him it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me the Holocaust did happen. Yeah, the whole thing is absolutely hilarious how it unfolds. And I love how he is depressed when he finds out that the Holocaust is fake from the fake news on Facebook. Uh, what was the line before that when he goes to the synagogue like I could not afford a gun so I decided to go to the nearest synagogue and wait for the next mass shooting it's was just, that, oh go ahead yeah that's right before he goes to the synagogue that's what he says 
Right, no, I remember that, but I was trying to see, what, what was that a joke to the Holocaust, or was that a joke to the Dylan Root shooting? That's a joke to the, like, mass shootings that have happened at synagogues and everything. Oh, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I forgot. So, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. That that was a joke that so many, like, mass shootings happen at, like, religious points and everything like that, that he was just like, well, I couldn't afford a gun, so I just waited until one of those happened. Uh so, I want to ask you, because I see you posted a status about this, about this, about this sequence. But um, the Rudy Giuliani scene. Um, so the interview is 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 kind of funny. I mean, I I didn't laugh that much about it. I was like, eh, eh, this is kind of okay. Um, if more than anything, the interview made me just feel uncomfortable. I didn't find it funny. I was just kind of going, oh no, no, this is. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't say those right. things, please. And um, my opinion is when they kind of went in the bedroom to take a drink, I depicted it as him like putting his shirt down his pants because to take because he took the mic off. I didn't I didn't look at him as him getting ready to have sex with her. It, he definitely see. I didn't see it as like that. But at the same time, his hand is down his pants a little bit too long. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I can't tell if this is camera trickery or if it was like that because he knew that there were cameras in the room. You can see in the mirror that the camera that is recording is just a normal like movie camera that's just sitting in the corner of the room. But he also knew oh, yeah. that it, there was an interview going on, so that could just be a spare camera. But it's not like it was a hidden camera. The camera was very blatantly there when they walked into the room. There just wasn't somebody manned at the camera recording. So my guess is, you know, it it started with him tucking his shirt in and then the producers kind of started to get a little bit scared when, you know, his hand was still down his pants after his shirt was tucked in. (laughs) And that's when they had Borat go in because it became like a safety thing. And also they weren't trying to get him in a gotcha moment there. They were trying to, like, lure him into a room where he would be alone with Tutar so Borat could come in and create the absurdity of that scene. Yeah, because I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know if he was really trying to have sex. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's the creepiness of what happens it before it that yeah. kind of makes you go, there's a possibility that he might have been kind of having that mindset because he was just laying full on his back you know everything like that uh he could have been standing and had the microphone taken off of him he didn't need to lay on the bed on his back and stay there like that and you know not only that but before that he like has his hand on her waist while you know she's taking the microphone off of him and everything and it's just oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's like right before he lays on his back and everything to tuck his shirt back in when she's she's taking the microphone off of him. Uh he has his hand wrapped around her waist. While he's asking, you know, I need to what's your address and phone number and, you know, well, I mean, that's not a that's not a totally out of the ordinary question to ask after someone just took an interview with you, but the whole hand around the waist thing is is a little um, concerning. I, you know, I don't know. I've never like interviewed somebody and gone. So, what's your phone number and address? You know, well, well 
you never interviewed somebody and asked that, but have someone that you've interviewed, I don't know, may have asked that? I've had people ask for a card, you know, to, like, where everything's going to be posted, but that's it. <laughs> I've never had somebody ask me for my phone number and address. I don't know why hey, somebody I, would want my address after an I, interview. Right, right, right. It made no mistake, folks. I'm not I'm not apologizing for Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. I'm just trying to say that that's it, not... I don't it, think that's an out-of-ordinary question. Yeah. It, it's... For me, it sounds strange to be asking for... Like, I can understand asking for her number, but for asking for her address as well, that's where it starts to cross the line of, hold on, why do you need that? <laughs> not only that, but the production staff that, like... Or his PR people that scheduled the interview and everything... They would already have that information. So why was he also asking for it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole scene was very strange and creepy. That's yeah. one thing we can agree on. It, it was very unsettling. Uh, I don't know Especially. if it would have gone to a certain point uh, prior to Borat bursting in. But at the same time, that wasn't the purpose of the scene. The purpose of the scene wasn't, right. oh, we're going to totally get Rudy Giuliani trying to you know, have sex with this woman after interviewing. It was, we're going to get him in a room with, uh, with Tutar, and then we're going to have Borat come in in lingerie, burst in and you know, tell Rudy to you know, have sex with him. <laughs> it, was, it was going to be like the scene between Bruno and Rand Paul. Yes. When he came in on when he when he tried to uh when he was trying to seduce Rand Paul and he was like, Get out of here. Yeah. You know, it was gonna be like that. Of course Rand Paul didn't do anything. He tried to walk away, you know. Yeah. The difference was Rudy did something they were unexpecting. Right, right. I have a feeling. And but at the same time, it, they still got the scene perfect when Borat comes in, you know, you can have my back pussy. It it's much tighter than hers. <laughs> and it just the entire scene i absolutely love that scene uh outside of like the inherent creepiness of it with rudy and everything that scene is hilarious to me still i feel like that scene the reason it is so creepy is because you i mean think of all the things you've seen with politicians and even with political commentators like you know like with anthony weiner and his whole thing and mm. why he's in prison right now and jeffrey tubin who is a writer who's who's books i've actually read um you know he got caught doing something crazy you know who jeffrey tubin is oh yeah i remember him yeah like uh like like the stuff he just got caught in like it it's not so implausible to think rudy giuliani might have wanted to do something with her right and not only that but we already have proof that rudy is a very sleazy person when it comes yeah. to politics and women and everything like that so it's not out of question that this could happen this isn't like this was happening to mr rogers or anything like that like this is all within the realms of possibility and it's just it it comes off so creepy like even during the interview where you know would you eat a bat with me yeah i'd eat a bat with you and hmm. you know oh don't worry sweetheart you're doing fine and it's like, oh, don't say that. You're no, don't say that. <laughs> Again, that's not really uncommon. It's it's just coming it's, from it's, him in the tone of everything in the interview. It just comes off as creepy and unsettling. Yeah, yeah and given you. him, you know, it, it, like you, we, I said, it's it's different coming from him versus somebody else. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um. So in the end, uh. 
pretty good. I, it was a pretty good resolution, man. I also like the whole twist of Borat being patient zero and then oh, they yeah. contacted Tom Hanks to do this. <laughs> I know that cameo. The Tom Hanks scene when that started, uh, and Borat like coughed on him. I had to pause because I, I my eyes were swelling up with tears because I couldn't like keep back the laughter because that was such an end joke that I. Oh, that one that one hurt me. Like I was choking from laughing so hard at that. You know, because it came out Prime, of nowhere. <laughs> right. Amazon Prime and their infinite wisdom like ruined that. Like they kind of almost ruined that for me for that scene came because you know when you can go down, you can see the cast and crew. Yeah. They had Tom Hanks in the cast. I'm like, wait, Tom Hanks? Well, where has he been in this film? And then that scene came and I was like, Oh, before it even came, I was like, they're gonna show him coughing on Tom Hanks. They're going to show that. Oh. They, they showed it. See, I didn't have that because uh, the way that I watched it, there was no information on like the page. It was literally the right. movie and that was it. So, yeah, when that scene popped up, it just caught me so off guard. And I was just like, this is, no, this is great. How did you manage to get Tom Hanks in this kind of movie for that kind of scene? And it's not even like the green screen behind them is any good. And you can tell that Sasha and Tom Hanks never actually were in the same room together either. If you actually watch it again, like the green screen between them is, you know, off a little bit. But I think it was intentionally done that way. Yeah, it did kind of look like that. But um, I do like the resolution in the end. I like that he's a journalist again. I like that she's. A journalist with him. Uh, Kazakhstan is a feminist nation now, yeah. <laughs> and now they're they're taking capture of uh, uh, young husband suitors or something like that. Yes, that was what it was. <laughs> no, that's their export now. Their uh, main export is uh, husband suitors. Husband suitors. There you go. And uh, it's no longer uh, uh, March of the Jew. Now it's a uh, March of the Karen and the uh, the the American. Or the Yankee. Yeah, the Yankee and the Karen. Uh, oh, then they had the Dr. Fauci <laughs> right. thing, too. Yeah, the the end scene is absolutely brilliant. This is one of those movies where, you know, compared to the first, it is a very widely different movie in, like, tone and feeling. But it still hits all the notes that the first one hit that made it so great. Oh, yeah, I, for, I forgot what we forgot to talk about right before we get to the end. Uh, I'll let you finish your statement. Yeah, well, that that's pretty much it. Like, this one hit all the notes that it needed to from the first one while still feeling like its own thing. Um, what'd you feel about the two, uh, I don't want to call them Trumpers, but what'd you feel about the two, uh... Oh, the conservatives the that he stayed with? Yeah. I, I didn't think they were bad people. Like, I think that's one of the best parts about borat is it doesn't show that these are bad people it just shows that you know the kind of manipulation that they've fallen under and the kind of manipulation all people kind of fall under you know to us that seems insane that what they're saying but to a whole crowd of people what they're saying is actual fact to them and it doesn't show like oh hey these are like terrible people that you know they're just people that have been manipulated by the media based on what they're saying and everything like that. You can tell. But the fact that they let Borat stay with them for five days and put up with his antics, you know, that you see little clips of, right. they can't be bad people. 
They literally cannot be bad people. They let a Middle Eastern person into their house for five days who had all these crazy antics going on, including ordering a bunch of fleshlights for them. And these ain't flashlights. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think these are flashlights, Bora. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's one of the I, I love those guys. They're I, I'm willing to bet that they're gonna sue the production of the movie. Them, but but I, I feel like they, they were good companions to him. They were. It, very much like the driving instructor from the first one. You know, they they were basically just trying to help him and everything, but they just have views that you know are very skewed toward like fake news and everything like that but uh yeah oh the the rally that is probably one of the best scenes in the movie where we get the new song for the film of uh (laughs) you know what we gonna do give them a wuhan flu (laughs) Right, I think that was one of the outings before the film was saying where people were like, "Hey, that's Sasha Baron Cohen." Yeah, you know, like people like that. That came on the news too. Yeah, yeah, people were expecting that to be the announcement for the new Who Is America. Uh, I want to actually say that we talked about that briefly in like a past episode too. We did, we did. So yeah, yeah, I love that this movie was so under wraps that like even the times that Sasha was popping up, people were like, Oh yeah, he's probably doing a new who is America. Nobody expected a new Borat movie. Yeah. Um, in the end, I feel like it all came together. You know, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I think God was looking down and saying, you know what, for this film, I, uh, this, this is going to come together in, in, in a way that makes it, you know, kind of a compelling reason to vote. Yeah, because uh, I I really do think this is, in some ways, an advertisement for why it's important to vote. Um, I I think I think it hit it hits the mark in in more scenes than not, for its with this message, um, even with this message of you know like feminism and equality, it hits its mark, uh, through the you know through the inclusion of his daughter's character. So, I you know I liked it overall. Um, do I think it's better than the first? I, I can't say that. I've only seen it once. I I just can't say it. Uh, but I give it a 3.5. See it, this one, I don't think it's going to have as much of a cultural impact as the first one did, but I wholeheartedly think that it stands up, you know, right next to the first one in terms of quality and humor and everything like that. I mean, I might agree with you if I after a few repeated viewings. Um, I've only seen it once, so yeah. To to me, yeah. this is another five out of five. It's it, it holds all the right notes to five, me, like a straight up five. A straight up five. It, it stands right next to the first one, in my opinion. I, I I love it. I have a feeling that I'm gonna watch it, you know, again in the future, and you know, the jokes from it and everything more than anything. I want to see like more of the scenes that were cut from the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that some of these interviews went on longer than what was shown in the movie. Uh, for yeah. example, like the costume store and everything that he went to, we saw more scenes in the trailer that didn't end up in the movie. Uh, the scene with uh, Tutar on the roof of the car tied down. That wasn't in the movie that we saw in the trailer. <laughs> uh, so there were extended scenes that I want to see pop up. Uh, but when it comes to showing the absurdity of like how people treated Borat or treat like people like this, 
and the absurdity of the situations that they got into and people's reactions, it did just as much as the first movie. It, it hit every note that the first one hit and even kind of took it a little bit further. So yeah, I, I definitely think this is a five out of five movie. Uh, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be our saying when we just straight up don't agree. Uh, different strokes <laughs> for different folks. But uh, I, I, I did enjoy these two films, and it, it felt good watching the second one and, and feeling like we never left Borat as soon as it started. Yeah, yeah. When it starts off, too. Uh, yeah. Who was the director for this one? Uh, the director for this one was Jason Walliner. Well, okay. I think he's known uh, for directing a few episodes for Last Man on Earth, Parks and Recreation, Nathan for You. Nathan uh, for You. Okay, that's that makes and, more sense now. Yeah, and Eagle Heart with uh, uh, my man, uh, that comedian I uh, that was real big in the nineties. Um, it's on Adult Swim. Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott's the star of that show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh Larry Charles. Go ahead. Yeah, there there's definitely some Nathan for You vibes in this movie that I can see when it comes to like their camera work. So I can see him you know, being the director. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, uh Larry Charles, um, who directed the first Borat, you know, he uh he also uh directed Bruno in another mockumentary. It's not even a mockumentary. It's actually a, a documentary film that I actually like called Religious with uh, Bill Maher. Uh, just basically him just uh, tackling religion and like, you know, different like nuances with it and stuff like that. Uh, um, so, yeah, I feel like taking over the reins from Larry Charles. Uh, I don't feel like uh, Jason Tolliver did a bad job. That's his name, right? Um, Jason Walliner. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely did a good job with directing this one and keeping the tone of Borat, you know, the same as it was. But yeah, I it definitely, especially because this one had more concise and movie like plot that definitely helps bring it up in my eyes. Because uh, mm. the first one, the plot was very loose. It wasn't really structured. It was just kind of interviews and showing the absurdity of people. And then the plot stringing those interviews together was very loosely done and everything but this one every kind of thing like steps into the next uh interview so uh like the cake leads to the baby scene which you know leads to uh the plastic surgery to the feminist kind of group uh the babysitter everything like that like everything kind of fits and flows a little bit better in this movie yeah, I agree. So, but that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, overall, uh, solid sequel. I wasn't disappointed. Uh, it's basically what I expected it to be. Um, outside of that, you, you watched anything else since we last talked? Uh, not really. Uh, I caught up on a little bit more of Doom Patrol, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I've been watching more of the anime monster that we talked about some time back. I've been trying to slowly hop back into that one. It's a long one, 74 episodes. Yeah, I got to jump back into that one. Not bad, though. I mean, it's still, still entertaining. Uh, plot thickens as it goes on. 
Um, you wanna, you wanna, did you wanna review uh, a twofer of uh, some some newer movies for our next episode? Yeah, we could do that. I'm thinking uh, Antebellum and Cajillionaire. Antebellum and Cajillionaire. Cajillionaire is like the new Miranda July film. I never seen any of her movies, but I've just gotten critical acclaim. As Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins, and uh, uh, who's my girl from Jane the Virgin? Gina Rodriguez. Okay. And Auntie Bellum is with Janelle Monet. I think this. I think it's a woman in present time that gets uh, that gets knocked back to slavery times. I think that's the plot. I haven't read too much on it. Okay. Yeah, I'm up for it. All righty. All right, people. Thank you for joining another episode of Double Feature. It's nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, uh, y'all have a great one. <laughs>